You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 220. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by Aptive. Aptive is the on-demand audio fitness app that I love using, which combines the guidance of a trainer with really awesome playlists so that you can have an easy way to work out wherever you happen to be. One of my favorite workouts on this app that I am using, and actually it's gonna be my next workout, is a sprint workout in the outdoor running category with Jessica M. She's the coach, and it's a medium intensity workout for 23 minutes. And lately I've just been getting into this idea of doing sprint workouts instead of the long and slow distances I'm used to doing in the past. And having a coach like Jessica or someone here in Active is a wonderful way for me to not have to track my times or distances, but just literally kind of turn off my thinking brain and just go with the flow of what she's telling me to do while having awesome music to boot. So if you want to give this workout or any of the many other types of workouts a try, you can get a free 30-day trial of Aptive yourself by heading over to Aptive.com. That's A-A-P-T-I-V.com. While you're there, you're going to click to sign up and enter the code THE LIVELY SHOW, all caps, to give yourself that full 30 day trial. It's much longer than their typical free trial. That's just for Lively Show listeners using the code THE LIVELY SHOW. Then go to your phone and download the app, and you're ready to get started. Now let's move on. Today, I am speaking to you from Lisbon, Portugal, my favorite place in the world. It's my soul city. It makes me so happy to be here. And I have a new Q&A episode for you. These are our June questions. So I'm actually going to pull up my phone. I've tried to do a pretty good job of avoiding looking at the questions before right now in this moment. So they're all pretty fresh to me. And you're gonna get my first initial thoughts to each one as I go, because I know when I listen to say, for example, episodes with let's say Lewis Howes or someone, and they're doing the Q and A's, I kind of like hearing them right off the cuff, just spontaneously answering the questions. So that's what I'm going to do for you here as well. Now let's get started. All right, let's see. Question number one, life of Amanda D. I think that's how you say it, said, if you could suggest one perfect book to research how to tap into your intuition, what would it be? I've been listening to your podcast and love it. I think your way of life makes so much sense and want to learn more. Interesting question about intuition, which one? Actually, my biggest suggestion is to write to your own intuition. Write your own book about your intuition. It's not so much about reading about intuition as it is exploring how you can do this yourself. So if you want to learn more, go over to JessLively.com slash intuition. In there, I explain how to write to your intuition and give you an example. I would say that writing to it is by far what I have found to be the most helpful way to start tapping into it in a greater way. Now let's move on. We have, they call me Woj, W-O-J. All right, she asks, hey Jess, your journey has been so inspiring to me. I'm curious if you have any new countries or continents you plan to explore. How does it feel being back in Europe after your time in Australia? Also, what's your favorite thing you've eaten in Lisbon? I want to go. Thanks for all you do. Okay, so we got a handful of questions here. Let's start with, do I have any new countries or continents I plan to explore? Well, actually, one of them I know that I think will happen in 2018, which is very exciting, is Laos. I will be going to Laos at some point once our second Pencils of Promise school is done being built. That's right. As you may or may not know, I donate 10% of Just Lively Creative Revenue towards Pencils of Promise to make sure that the ripple effect of the work that we do here on the show and in the classes that I teach helps people beyond the show or the classes so that this isn't just about benefiting myself and you that as a listener or a student of the classes. That's wonderful. And I'm so grateful that I get to, or appreciate, I guess I should say, that I get to help everyone. But I also want to make a bigger ripple to those who may not have access to this kind of content. And I do that through Pencils of Promise, this amazing organization that builds schools in countries that don't have access to things like just simple school structures. Like our first school in Ghana went up and the inauguration happened this November of 2016. As you may have seen the vlog of me there to be there at the inauguration, it was an incredible gift. So 
Laos is our second location. And after that, we will do Guatemala, if all goes as planned. Those are the three areas that Pencils of Promise builds in, and I want to have a school in each one. So Laos is next, so I'll definitely be going there. Let's see, other places I have planned. I don't know, Europe, probably the US at some points. I don't have any specific places in mind that are on the itinerary at the moment. I truly am flowing week to week or day to day in some cases. So as far as how I'm feeling coming back to Europe after my time in Australia, it was really interesting. I got to Amsterdam first and was so excited to feel the feelings of how I felt about Europe last time, but really started to want a home. It didn't feel as exciting to be traveling Europe. So I don't really mind if my home is in Europe or if it's not in Europe, but having a place where I can put my suitcase and some of my stuff on a regular basis sounds really appealing. And at the same time that I say that, you might be wondering, Jess, where are you going to pick to be your home? I'm still flowing with intuition, which tells me to keep going. So I have not yet had the intuition guide me to where that home will be. I'm just telling that my body and literally my suitcase, I feel like even my stuff is calling for a home. So I think that there may be some light routes in some way sooner or later, hopefully for my ego, at least hopefully on the sooner side. And it's not to say that I don't want to keep traveling. I do. I think I would love to travel about 50% of the time instead of 100. So that's kind of the balance right now that I'm hoping will flow into my experience. But overall, being back in Europe right now, as I don't have a home, the way that I'm kind of dealing with that craving of familiarity is one of two ways. I'm either going to places that are familiar to me. So I'm revisiting Lisbon and I'm revisiting Amsterdam and that sort of thing. Or I am going or willing to go to new places I've never been before with people that are familiar. So I'll go somewhere I haven't been yet if I'm going with someone that I already know. So going to a new place where I don't know anyone right now does not feel like flow. It doesn't feel fun. Did that for a year. It was awesome. But now this is kind of my in-between phase and familiar is really what I'm craving. So what's my favorite thing I've eaten in Lisbon? The clams. I had forgotten about them until I had a meal with Chelsea from the blog Frolic the other day. And I had forgotten that was the first dish I had the first time I got to Portugal. And then it was actually, ironically, the first meal I had here this year as well. These clams that they make are so delicious. It's such a beachy food. It's kind of an appetizer. They're made with olive oil, white wine, cilantro, garlic, and clams. Oh my gosh, it's so delicious and such an amazing treat. So that is my favorite thing I've eaten in Lisbon. So if you go, I would highly recommend trying to find them. It's a pretty traditional meal, so it's not that hard to find. Now we have the Twin Kid Project who said, what are you currently reading? Let's see. Well, I'm right now reading The Master Key System and The Untethered Soul, still working my way through The Untethered Soul as well. And at an Audible, I'm listening to The Feel by Lynn McTaggart. Now we have Mabel underscore or who said, could you give some tips or suggestions on prospective solo female travelers following your intuition, safety, logistics? I feel that my intuition is telling me go, but my ego says, don't do it. It's scary. Thank you for your insight. Mabel, in terms of suggestions, really, I love that you said following your intuition. That is it. Safety. Obviously, you want to keep your whereabouts and be very you know, I think energy has a lot to do with that. If you put out the energy of fear, you're going to be more likely to attract people, I think, that are noticing that fear and more likely to take advantage of it. If you're walking around like you know what you're doing, most people are going to assume you know what you're doing. So that's what I've found is that if I have the energy and the intention set for safety and my intention is set for familiarity and focused awareness, then everything's been fine for me. The least safe place I've been is definitely Cape Town. But even then, I had so many amazing people. 99.9% .9 of humans on the planet are incredibly amazing, especially to female travelers. At least that's been my personal experience. They go out of the way to make sure I'm safe. I've had Uber drivers in Cape Town offer to walk across the road with me. I didn't even ask them nor feel that it was necessary, but they were going out of their way to make sure that I was safe. So there are many instances of that. That's just one example of times where even though I feel safe, 
even other people are concerned for me. So I think if you have an amazing energy and you go out there with awareness and the intention and following your intuition for safety, you'll be right where you need to be. That's been my experience. Ego fears aside, take it one step at a time. Maybe don't start at Cape Town or somewhere like Johannesburg, maybe start in London or somewhere else. But really, truly, as far as safety goes in this world right now, I don't think that there's any one place you could say is actually safe because of the things that are happening. It's all about following intuition to be wherever you are called to be right now. Now we have Jordan Tanya who said, Jess, I love your show. A question I have is, how do you stay aligned and calm when dealing dealing with negative people? This is so interesting and I know this can be so difficult. The thing I would say, to be honest, is obviously, first of all, try to set your alignment before you deal with them as much as possible. So get yourself into alignment before you interact with those people in your day. So get your alignment, do whatever you need to do. Get up early, don't make an excuse. If you wanna feel better, don't make up the excuse that you can't get up early to make sure you find a way to get your alignment stronger before you see them. And then see them in short bursts if possible remove yourself from their energy whenever possible if you find yourself faltering. That's what I would say. It's about setting your alignment as best you can when you get started at the start of the day and then taking short breaks or bursts away from them to realign as well. That would be my suggestion. Start high or as high as you can and then stay as high as you can by taking breaks away from them when needed. Jules, Eliza said, have you experienced a situation of following your intuition to plan for something in the future, like sign up to attend a conference or a trip months away to find once the actual event arrives, your intuition says, don't go. Would you skip the conference or trip? How do you, or how do you suggest reconciling on conflict with your past intuitions plans and then presently feeling differently, especially when it involves canceling something big like canceling big plans. I hope this makes sense. Thank you for all you do and share. Jules, this is a really interesting question and I think it has a very simple answer. If my intuition is telling me to not go, I wouldn't go. That's it. Your ego is just like, well, how did it possibly? Don't even worry about it. If it's saying don't go, don't go or ask for more information from the intuition about why not to go. That could be very helpful, but ultimately I would not go against the most recent understanding my intuition, not my ego, is presenting me with. And I would just then try to flow with that experience. So if there's a ticket that's been purchased, either I would eat the cost of the ticket if necessary, or if possible, of course, I would try to sell the ticket if it was a conference or something like that as well. It's interesting you mentioned this because there is something uh, coming up later in the year for me that I have been advised to possibly not go to. Now, I don't know what my intuition says about that experience or whether or not I should or should not go, but I'm definitely going to be revisiting whether or not I will actually attend that experience, even though I've prepaid given my intuition and its guidance. And I'm really willing to eat the thousands of dollars that it would take to not go to this if my intuition tells me not to. I am that connected or I guess (laughs) blindly following, whatever you want to look at it, I'm that connected to my intuition. I have no interest in going against it. So I would at least ask for more information. If you can write a letter to your intuition to find out more information for your situation. But yes, for me personally, I believe that deeply in intuition, I would not go. Now we have Danny Craig nine who said, hi, Jess, every city country has its own culture, religious beliefs and ways of life. Are there any new things that you've picked up along your travels that now influence the way you think, how you act or what you do? So excited for season four. This is really interesting. So you're right. Every city and country does have its own culture and beliefs and ways of life. So in terms of how I think and what I act and what I do. Ghana comes to mind, first of all, in terms of changing how I believe about happiness. So I think Americans, especially because there's so much affluence in many parts of America, tend to think that that's better. But I saw in rural Ghana, the happiest people, most consistently happy people. Also, Bali was very happy and the Philippines. So I saw tons of people that had far, far, far less stuff physically, like the wealth and material wealth and that sort of thing and they were emotionally happier. So one of the things and beliefs I've totally changed is that emotional well-being comes from physical abundance. Not that, you know, having your 
basic needs met. Like the people in Ghana weren't starving. They weren't in a drought. They weren't in a war-torn country. So those types of basic needs are important. I'm not going to understate that, but I will say that once you have those basic needs, the emotional set point of someone or a culture does not seem to be around stuff at all. If anything, I found them far happier and more living in the present moment than other places in Europe or especially in the U.S. So that's something that's changed for me. And also I think that just constantly going to new places I started eating different types of food and that was one of the simplest and most basic ways that I started opening up who I was. So I would start eating things like mussels and clams and octopus and I eat seafood as you can tell from all the things I just listed, but I used to not eat those foods in the States. I used to not enjoy Indian food and now my favorite restaurant in the world is in London and it's Indian food at Dishoom. So I started by expanding my palate with food, as simple as that is. But once I started to reevaluate that, I started doing a whole bunch of other things. As long as something's not going to kill me, I really tend to open myself up to new opportunities that flow to me, especially if they have to do with consciousness, neurology, or quantum mechanics. So I have to say just constantly changing my environment and the cultures that I'm in has helped me to open myself up to things far beyond just food or the cultures themselves, but just to new ideas or to hold conflicting beliefs to what I've been taught or what Americans might see as accurate or correct, I'm definitely way more open-minded. And it started with little things like food, but now has expanded to many other things far beyond that as well. Now we have Carmen Melly V who said, how do you learn to truly listen to your body when it comes to being hungry, full, etc.? Do you have any tips, book recommendations or anything of that nature? Safe travels. Yes, there have been a few different episodes of The Lively Show. We have addressed this eating and body image issue. One of them that comes to mind is with Isabel Foxen Duke. So go over to JessLively.com slash Isabel Foxen Duke and check out that episode in particular, as well as our first episode with Brooke Castillo. Brooke's been on the show many times, but her first episode, we also speak about weight loss because that was Brooke's initial foray into life coaching. So that would be at Jess lively.com slash Brooke Castillo. In terms of listening to your body too, in terms of book recommendations, the one that helped me start to change my whole understanding and relationship around food was called Women, Food, and God by Janine Roth. That one was a game changer for me and opened me up to intuitive eating. Now there've been, I'm sure, many other books. One of them's even called intuitive eating. I've never read it, but that also may be one to check out as well. Now we have Caitlin Schroeder who said, loving the realness of your show. Do you feel that staying connected to your intuition, I call mine the Holy Spirit, keeps you excited about your day-to-day and full of light? Do you feel like staying connected is a good remedy to staying content in life even when not very much change is happening? Absolutely. I totally feel that staying connected to my intuition or being in alignment with what it is telling me to do keeps me excited for the day to day and does keep me full of light. It's only when I'm out of alignment, when I'm out of agreement with that point of view in my life that I feel that darkness or shadow or disconnection from it. And yes, if you are in alignment with it, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You'll have that light in most cases, no matter whether it looks very different in your life or if it looks very similar. Now we have Miku Paliyama. I think that's how you say it. I've often read that it is important to be aware of how we feel in our body as signs of whether we are on the right path or not. However, oftentimes when I'm having a heavy feeling in my chest or throat, I write to my intuition. Once I get to the source of my discomfort, I realize that it was my ego. How do you reconcile when you get feelings like this that make you feel perhaps you're not on the right path? For example, when it comes to taking a certain action, this is my biggest challenge when deciphering how to follow my intuition and flow. This one's interesting, and I feel like I could really probably spend a whole episode talking about this because there's two kind of aspects here, and I'm just going to riff on this right away off the top of my head, so let's see what comes out. But yes, there's like the feeling of discomfort in your body could mean one of two things. It could mean that your ego is scared of something that your intuition is calling you to. Let's say, for example, you want to quit your job and your intuition's telling you to, but your ego is terrified. Okay, so you could feel this huge pit in your stomach as you're about to walk in to your boss's office to to tell them about quitting and the firing or whatever you're going to be doing, right? 
So that could feel terrible. And at the same time, you could have an intuition that's warning you not to do something like quitting your job, but your ego's encouraging you to do it. So you could go into that boss's office with a pit in your stomach because your intuition's not leading you to. So what you're asking is, how do I know if the pit in my stomach or my throat is my intuition fearing the outcome or if it's my ego fearing the outcome? What you said in your question is my answer. You said, once I get to the source of my discomfort, I realized that it was my ego. Okay, well, whatever you did to realize that your source of discomfort was the ego, that was a sign that it was ego fear. So I would write to my intuition when I'm feeling that discomfort nine times out of 10, I write to my intuition and I say, why am I upset about blank? Whatever the situation might be, whatever discomfort I'm feeling emotionally or physically in my body. And then nine times out of 10, the intuition answers me back and says, because you're scared. And then I ask, why am I scared? And after that, the answer I get after that is where all of the unraveling of the situation comes to light. So one of the things that also comes to mind I wanna mention here is what Abraham Hicks talks about. Abraham says that whenever you feel a discomfort or an emotional disconnect from alignment, so whenever you're not feeling good, basically, that means it's a sign that you and your consciousness, your emotional state are not caught up with the greater part of you. Now, in this case, I'm going to say the greater part of you for the ease of this is your intuition, whether it is truly intuition or something else. Let's not get into that. Let's just say that Whenever you're feeling bad, they would say it's a sign that you're not in alignment with intuition. So then it's about figuring out if my intuition is peaceful in this situation, how is it peaceful? What has already transpired in a potential future that I want that my intuition's already living, accepting, and being really cool about? So for example, Let's use that same job example. Let's say you're feeling uncomfortable about the job and the Abraham Hicks analogy, what they would say is if you are not feeling caught up with the peaceful place that your intuition's feeling about it, then you have to think about if my intuition's already at peace about this job situation, how is it peaceful? Is it peace? It's probably peaceful before, during, and after the ending of the job. So it's probably peaceful in the job that you're currently having and as you go walk in and leave it. So... That's not really helpful, but it is as much as I can say off the top of my head what I think about that. Normally, I would just say, write to your intuition and find out. And also, it comes to mind uh, that phrase from A Course in Miracles that says, everything that is not love is a cry for healing or help. So in that case, again, it would just be that your ego or your consciousness is not caught up with the peaceful place within you. And then it's up to you to inquire and discover why that is the case, where you're disconnected from that peaceful place within you and find out how to reconcile that, how to align your consciousness with the understanding your intuition has. And of course, I would say write to it because that's just honestly my most powerful method I've ever found to doing so, at least myself. Now we have Jenna Thiegels who said, reading Abraham Hicks and staying in the present moment. Any tips on staying in the present moment while catching up with friends and family? When you haven't seen each other in a while, it seems natural to ask and answer questions about the past and future, which can result in a lot of past dwelling and or limiting beliefs. Loving your show. Thanks for being you. This is interesting. So I think you can talk about the past or you can fill people in, but maybe consider finding ways to state and emphasize the positives. This is not to say that you're going to lie to people. If you're in an emotional place of pain, I would not avoid the pain. And this actually may not totally go with them, but this is what I've been learning about this as I had a lot of emotional stuff that I went through in, for example, Bali. I had a lot of emotion come up. And what I realized is avoiding it or not talking about it at all didn't help me clear it. At the same time, when I would share those things, I was very clear about sharing them with friends or family and telling them, here's what I'm feeling. I don't want you to take on this feeling. I don't want you to sit there in the feeling with me. I just need to release this feeling 
by sharing it and then letting it fall out of my mouth and onto the ground, basically. So it just needed to come out and then be released. So in that, I think you can focus on things that are difficult. Now, if it's not level 10 stuff and you're not, you know, you kind of could go either way on it. You could either dwell on the past or the negative side of it, or you could dwell on the positive, I think it's totally fine to talk about the past stuff, especially that's positive because you are creating that vibration of appreciation for things that have happened in your life. So don't avoid really seriously, emotionally important things because those need to be released. And you can do that, I think, in a powerful way around people, especially when you ask them not to take on the energy. You're not asking them to validate the feelings you're having. You're just asking them to sit there and witness for you, just to be a witness and to keep their own alignment while you do it. You don't ask them to get in the trenches with you. You just ask them to be a calm and compassionate witness as you release so that it can fall to the ground and you can move forward because stuffing it down doesn't work. What I find is that when you stuff it down, it tends to leap out when you get triggered by something super unrelated or tangential to it. And that's not usually good because usually it'll come out in a different place or at a different person. And you really don't want to have that trigger set off and like go a little crazy in another direction. You just want to let it fall out and fall through you. So hopefully that helps. Now we have Sid Jameson who said, hey Jess, I'm in the process of making some big life changes right now and I feel myself getting super busy. However, when I sit down to do the work, I find myself focusing on negative, on the negative and worrying too much about the future. I know I need to get into a better mindset or emotional frequency before starting the work. Amen there. That's what I was just going to say, but I'm having trouble getting there. Do you have any recommendations or tips for changing your emotional frequency and getting into alignment more efficiently? Thanks. Yes, I do. I would suggest these two things. Now, first of all, I think practice is the number one thing. So just consistently practicing at it. But here are the two things I would suggest that you try to make that more efficient at the same time. Get a notebook and write down, like it doesn't have to be a full spiral uh, spiral size notebook, but get a notebook and write down, I don't know, between seven and 17, 20 things every night that you appreciate that happened during the day. So I appreciate blank. I appreciate blank. I appreciate blank. Do seven to 20 of them. Do a bunch and then give thanks. Do it at night. And in the morning, before you start working, do the same thing. It's called a rampage of appreciation. Show appreciation. Now try not to, you don't have to specifically think about the same exact things. Hopefully you'll actually be thinking about different things, but obviously you can pull on the same things if they're still active in your mind and you still have a lot of joy from them. But showing appreciation for things in your life and doing it at night before you go to bed sets you into a really great place of sleep. And then you carry that through after you've also meditated in the morning. I'd also suggest that. So I'd meditate before you even get out of bed or just get out of bed and go straight to meditation. If you do get out of bed to meditate, I personally meditate laying down. I know a lot of people think they would fall asleep that way. For me, I would fall asleep if I was sitting up. I would not be able to do meditation if I was sitting up, but I can focus as I'm laying there. I just turn off the alarm and my phone's always on airplane mode at night. So I always try to turn. I'm not 100% perfect at this, but I don't like check social media. Like super rare for me to go anywhere else other than straight to my meditation app before I turn off the airplane mode. So that's how I stay easily focused on the most important thing, which is my mindset first. Then before working, so before when you're sitting at the desk, literally before you open up your email or whatever you're going to start doing, write out your rampage of appreciation in a Word doc or handwrite it if you want. Those are my suggestions. Now we have Nolan's mommy, 0620, who said, Hey Jess, just wanted to share with you something interesting I discovered about myself after listening to your recent episode and wanted to know if you felt anything similar. So you were discussing the ability to physically feel yourself changing emotional states, a feeling in the bottom of your throat and stomach. I realize I feel the same way, but when I'm reaching alignment, I've noticed that when my vibration is at its peak, I notice a warm, tingly feeling around the middle of my chest. I think I'm able to feel the physical sensation of it. Any thoughts? 
Oh, I love this. A warm, tingly feeling in the middle of your chest. Not surprised at all. What I think that is, is you're getting heart-brain coherence, which is not something we've spoken about yet on the show, but definitely something you're going to hear about on season four. I would wager to bet. I'll be talking about that soon. Maybe that'll become a new episode. Even maybe next week, I'll talk about that. We'll see. But yes, what I'm guessing is that when you have that alignment, what's really happening is your brain and your heart are syncing up. So there's brain waves, which you've probably heard of, but there's also heart brain waves. So your heart has neurons as well. It's actually the second largest spot for your neural connections. You have neurites in your heart. It has its own brain. And when your cerebral brain in your head is synced up and in alignment with your heart brain, so when your emotional state of alignment in your heart brain is in alignment with your way that you're thinking and feeling in the cerebral brain in your head, there are so many things that happen. Your respiration, perspiration, and resting or variable resting heart rate or whatever that term is, the variable heart rate, all sync up. And all of these 1300 biochemicals in your body are released. Positive, healing, amazing feelings start flooding in when you have this heart-brain coherence. I think that's actually what alignment actually is. And it goes through the vagus nerve from the heart to the brain. This is what I've learned from Greg Braden and hope to, again, have him on the show to go into other amazing topics as well. But once you're in that coherence of those two brain waves in the heart and the brain, so many things are in alignment. So when you're out of alignment, when you're feeling that disconnect between your emotional state and your conscious cerebral state, you're in that more fight or flight response and your resting heart rate or your variable heart rate, your respiration and perspiration are out of sync. And that's when you're in that kind of fight or flight response is when you're not releasing those 1300 biochemicals. So that would be my suggestion or guess on why you feel that in your chest. It's because that vagus nerve is syncing up and you're in alignment and that has a physical implication on your body, its healing, and its overall well-being. So awesome that you're noticing that. Now we have Louis Cab who said, hi Jess, how would you approach burnout using the work you've been doing this past year? Oh, I would just say start getting into alignment before you do anything else. Get into alignment. Get into alignment, get into alignment. If it means you have to get up earlier, go to bed earlier. So you get into alignment before you start working. Now we have Sunshine and Glow who said, hi, Jess, do you have any plans to interview Esther and Abraham Hicks on your show? Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Do you know what? I would think so long and hard because I've listened to so much of their stuff. That would be an incredible interview, but I'd also have to think very deeply about what I'd want to have them on to talk about. Maybe that will happen in the future. I will be going on one of their cruises coming up, so potentially you never know what might happen. Maybe they'll be here. Now we have Muka Lisa who said, hi there, Jess. Would you mind sharing how you can afford all these beautiful rentals, numerous flights and retreats? Absolutely. I am very blessed to find that the abundance that I have in my business and company flows so amazingly through the sponsors on the show and students that have joined the classes. So it's amazing. I really am truly blessed and appreciative of everyone. I don't sell, quote unquote. I always ask people to ask their intuition if they want to, if you know, if their intuition is telling them to join a class. So that's what I do twice a year. And then also the sponsors for the show, they generally 99.9% of the time come to me and ask to become sponsor. So yeah, that's, that's how. Now we have Wiggle Me Timbers 23 who said, Hi Jess, I've been focusing a lot on time management lately and how to organize my time so my days flow better. Brooke Castillo talks about planning and how you should plan your projects and time out so that it saves you time later and creates deliberate results. I was wondering if you have any planning or time management tips or insight you could share. Thanks. So that's interesting. By the way, I love me some Brooke. You know it. I know it. We all love Brooke. And Brooke and I are, are aligned on a lot of things and other things we take different approaches to. So I don't know how Brooke suggests approaching projects and time and what you've shared makes me think that she probably does approach it differently than me. I am totally fine with that. Do whichever feels good for you in the moment or if you have an overall personality that aligns more with her or with me, great. Even I'm actually wondering, maybe she also might be, I don't know her Myers-Briggs, but maybe she's a J. And the way she's describing her planning that you're laying out here sounds a little bit J, not that P's can't use planning in the same way, but as I have become and owned my penis, my perceiving versus judging on the last part of the Myers-Briggs, 
and also just my awareness and feelings on law of attraction and frequency and everything for myself, my answer to time management is alignment, 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 and then flow. That's what I do. So I don't have any time management tips. I also try to change my mindset around things more than anything else. So one of the things I focus on is recognizing that often we get what we think about. So Einstein time is a term that is used in Gay Hendricks' The Big Leap. And in it, he talks about quantum mechanics and time and how truly relative time is on a very like astrophysics scale. And also then on the application in our own lives, I've just started playing. You could try this, try this on something, maybe not like time management, but just let's say you have a dinner to get to, or you're meeting a friend, or you have something to do and there's a time frame on it. When I used to be a J or when I, and it doesn't mean Myers-Briggs guys, but when I was more focused on time and management, all of those types of things, I used to kind of go, oh my gosh, I don't have enough time. I used to have that thought. I don't have enough time a lot of times. And I've switched that to, I can make time. So I use the term Einstein time and I just say, you know what? I'm going to have enough time to get this done. And Honestly, I can't think of many situations yet where it's not exactly right, where I'm not there exactly on or around the time that I think I will be. It's truly about recognizing that seven minutes is seven whole minutes. And I think in the past, even let's say it's not actually bending any time in the past seven minutes would feel like no more time where now I go, I have seven whole minutes to do whatever I need to get done. And I think I'm just using my time maybe more efficiently. I'm not sure. But that is something that I play with in terms of smaller things. But I also would say on the larger projects too now, I just go, you know what? There's plenty of time. Alignment comes first. I know that the projects I'm working on will have a better resonance with the people using them if I'm in more alignment, especially because the work I do now is not so execution focused, like let's say editing a podcast. That's something that Joe does. So The work I do is about how high my frequency is also to resonate with you. So even just, I wouldn't say selfishly, because it's really not selfish for me personally, but it's just super important for me with the skills and the stuff that I am delegated in our company. It's really important for me to be in as much resonance for you as possible. So this alignment stuff, I think would feel maybe I could say slightly less important if I was doing, let's say, filing papers for, let's say that's what I had to do for an hour. I guess they wouldn't have to be an amazing alignment to file some papers, but to do a podcast for you, I would much rather be in higher alignment because I know what I say, how I say it will land better with you and be more applicable for you if I'm in better alignment. So that said, I still think if you're filing papers, you'll file them faster. You'll be more creative if there's a new problem solving thing that's involved or whatever. I do think that alignment, even in tasks that aren't based on speaking, for example, can be better executed when alignment is first. Now we have True Wellness who said, hi, Jess, would love to know your morning and evening routines and what they currently look like. Okay, so in the morning I wake up and like I mentioned, I have my phone on airplane mode and I have it on this little fan app because I love the sound of a fan at night. Thanks to all of those listeners who told me about the dome machine. Back when I lived in Austin, Texas, I got so super addicted to the dome machine sound. It's like this fan sound at night. And as a light sleeper, it's helped me to sleep through a lot of sounds through the night because it kind of masks the sounds with this white noise. So I turn off the fan machine. I meditate for 15 minutes. Most of the time it's 15 minutes. And then I get up and I go about my day and I see what WhatsApp messages I have and that kind of thing. I try not to look at Instagram or emails until I'm actually at work. So the social media stuff, I'm usually not looking at until later in the morning after I've gotten ready. But in the evening, I kind of have a little routine now that's kind of special. So I have a little essential oil of ylang ylang that someone gifted me, which is really sweet, that I use on my wrists. I then do this crazy, amazing emotion code thing with magnets. So if you want to learn more about that, you can read the emotion code, hoping to have Dr. Bradley Nelson on the show this season as well to talk more about what that actually is. But I do this little thing to release trapped emotions based on magnets and the book, The Emotion Code. I use a little essential oil balm that I really like that someone sent me. 
It's by Drifter Organics. And the scent I have, it's a body butter called Serenity Now. And I really like the smell of it. So I put that on my hands before bed. And then I write out, and this isn't every night, but I do write out on the nights where I have a lot of time and it's not something like I'm going to bed super late. I will write out all the things I'm appreciative of. Like I said, between seven and 17 different things, whatever fills up most of the page. And yeah, then I go to bed. Actually, I probably do the magnet thing very last. So I'll write the things out, then I'll do the magnet thing, and then I'll go to bed. So my evening routine right now is actually longer than my morning routine. But yeah, or maybe they're about the same because of the 15-minute meditation. But that's what I focus on. All right, so... Meg22MCG said, you're such an inspiration to me, Jess. I'm planning an extended solo journey in Europe and would love tips from you on packing for an extended time period when you don't know exactly where you will be month to month or your return date. Are you still using your away suitcase or do you have other luggage now? Any tips would be great. Thank you for all you do. Meg, I would suggest watching the two vlogs that I created three months into my journey last summer. So that would be where all my advice for clothing and travel tips are. We'll have Joe put those in the show notes as well. So you can go to the show notes for this episode and find them. But yes, I'm still using an away suitcase. I've upgraded, as you guys know, to my big away suitcase instead of my carry-on size. Though if I was traveling for any less time than a year, I got about 10 months in, in the away suitcase and I loved it in the travel size. Then after an entire 10 10 months or almost a year of travel with no end in sight, I upgraded to the full size suitcase because I honestly was just sick of not having very many clothes and constantly donating clothes as I bought new ones. So if I was traveling for less than a year, I would go back to the carry-on size and I am looking forward to having a home so I can start traveling again with a carry-on size. But for now, since my home and my all my possessions for the majority of my possessions are in the suitcase, I have the large one. Jessica L. Kelly said, what suggestions would you give someone who's looking to incorporate coaching into their lives? Find someone you resonate with. And I can't give you a special, here's where you go to find your magical, you know, dream coach, but just open yourself up to having coaching and then listen for friends, family, or things on the internet that lead you down a rabbit hole to someone that you seem to resonate with and try working with them and see if it's a fit. That's how I found my coaches over the years. And that's definitely what I would recommend. Joy Voyage says, love following your journey. Do you have any suggestions or tips for moving through fear and to follow your intuition when it comes to making bigger life changes? Even when my intuition is fairly clear on something, I feel fearful of the change and choose not to follow it. Any recommendations would be greatly appreciated. I would say if you're having trouble with the bigger life changes, start with the small stuff and watch the outcomes of following intuition on the little things. Because what ends up happening is it's kind of like you're betting on the intuition and starting with the small bets is often easier for you to make those leaps. And then as you get better at seeing how great the outcomes are or are not, you'll have more and more ability to wager incrementally to those larger things. But sometimes even just making a big leap or thinking back to past leaps you've made based on intuition can also help give you that confidence. Now, personally, I'm so trusting of it, I would almost feel scared not to follow it. Like that's kind of, I'm on the flip side of like not following it feels far more scary than actually following it. So the intuition will often lead us into uncertainty, but whenever I find that my ego is scared of it, I would actually be more scared of staying with what the ego is saying to do than with the intuition because of so many experiences I've had of following intuition and having them turn out so well. But that is probably come from an incremental increase in those leaps and also just my personal point of view and experience and trust in it. So you'll have to find what works for you, but I would suggest starting with the little things first. Now we have Ask Diana underscore who said, hi Jess, I'd love to know if you've ever worked with a business coach and how you increase your online presence. Thanks for all you do. No, I've never worked with a business coach. I've gone to some business conferences, I guess, lately, but I, no, don't really have a coach. I actually was a business coach back in the day in between my jewelry design development days. I started my first business when I was 15. It was a jewelry company. Many of you guys might know of it. And then I started blogging in 2009. And then a few years in, probably like 2011, people started asking me that were reading the blog, 
asking for business advice for their own company. So I started coaching back then, but I never had a coach. I never did any online classes back then or anything like that. Actually, in terms of conferences, I went to Tropical Think Tank pretty recently, and that was kind of fun, although I haven't really implemented any of it. I really just follow my intuition now. I'm not even personally, not that I say that it's right for everyone, but just for me, I just follow my intuition and do what it says to do. But in terms of how I increased my online presence, I've been online since 2009 and I blogged for five years and got to know a lot of people through just blogging for five years. And a lot of those friends that were just starting out when I started out did amazing things like my friends that started The Every Girl or Rue Magazine and that kind of stuff. So some of those people that I was just friends with because we were friends, I ended up doing incredible things. And those people then came on the show when I had my podcast start. So that kind of helped the show is knowing people that had large followings as my podcast got started. But I also had a a pretty decent size following from the blog as well. And other than that, though, I don't advertise or do anything that's paid now. Really, the, we just hit 7 million downloads on the show. And I I can say having guests that people know is great, but often the really biggest guests typically, not always, but generally don't share the show with their audiences. So that's not necessarily like, you know, let's say like Liz Gilbert, for example, as far as I know of, did not share Maybe she tweeted, maybe, but I don't even remember that, like her episode. So a lot of times the biggest guests don't necessarily share their episodes with other people, but obviously the listeners, you guys yourselves share the episodes with friends and family you think it will resonate with. So I think a lot of it's come through word of mouth more than anything else. And then um, the people that aren't maybe the major people, like let's say a Liz Gilbert, Sometimes people do like, oh, Joy totally wrote a post about her episode when it came out and that kind of thing. So sometimes people did share, but often the very largest ones were not actually sharing. So it's kind of in the middle that people that really felt aligned with their episodes would be the ones to share their episodes with other you know, members in their tribe too, which helped. Now we have Surf Into Sanity who said, what are the three biggest changes you've seen in yourself when comparing yourself now to your before travel self? Wow, I have to say, this is an incredible question. Thank you, Surf Into Sanity. Okay, before self, after self. I am so much more open so much more open to trying anything. I'll dye my hair pink, not permanently, but I'll do that. I have done so many things that I never thought I would ever do before I was traveling. I wouldn't eat mussels. Like for five years, I was in a relationship and I never ate an oyster or a mussel or anything like that. And now I eat them all the time and I love them. They're some of my favorite foods. So that's just a very simple example, but From then on up, I've done a lot of stuff I never thought I would do. And let's see, second thing, I'm way more flowy, as you guys can probably tell. I now find it scarier to think about and try to plan what I'm going to do next Tuesday. That's scarier to know where I'm going to be next Tuesday is now scarier than to not know where I'm going to be next Tuesday. Before I'd say, oh my gosh, I don't know where I'm going to be next week. Now I say, oh my gosh, I don't know where I will want to be next week. So that flip is totally huge. When I got to the travel side of things last year in London, I was freaked out not knowing how things were going to go. Now I'm actually more freaked out by planning too far ahead. And I'm way more relaxed, so much more relaxed to things and I just kind of am more chill now. Those are the three things. Very open, very flowy, and very much living in the moment and also very relaxed. They're kind of all interrelated, but those are the big things. Now we have Sophia who said, I'm still having a hard time accessing my intuition in a purposeful way. I meditate, I ask questions, I write questions, I wait for answers. I'm just not hearing much or anything. I know it's there, I've had gut feelings before, etc. but there must be some kind of block. I know you're way beyond this, but have you ever helped clients with this? What did they find help to unlock their intuition? I missed out on your at-home program, Thrill for Everything Season 4 has in store, and big thanks for all you do. Sophia, I would focus on your emotions right now and do the things that feel good to your emotions. If you're not feeling words or phrases, start with just the emotions and have faith. This is what I tell people when I coach them in the classes sometimes. Just let your intuition know, hey, I am here 
ready, willing, and able to follow any advice you have for me. Right now I'm asking and I'm not getting any signal. So I'm going to have faith and trust that right now I'm doing everything that I should be doing because I'm not hearing otherwise. So just know intuition, I'm here, I'm gently aware. I'm not obsessively aware, I'm not frantically aware. I'm gently aware and open to any advice you have for me. And until then, I'm just gonna do the things that feel good to me right now and have faith that right now I'm exactly where I need to be. Now, Alicia Seblins said, hey, Jess, would love your top three or so advice for someone who's graduating from high school and specifically someone who wants to pursue a more creative career, but feels pressured by family and others to go down a more traditional and safe path. Thank you for being you. Oh man, this one's good, Alicia. I love speaking to college students who have already probably gone down partially a path because that's where I'm speaking to them is in college. But if you're just graduating from high school, I would say start writing into your intuition now. Start finding the guidance there now because one of the things that you cannot change your family's values. If they're very much valuing security, safety, familiarity, and logic, that's gonna be a very difficult sell. They're not necessarily gonna agree with you, but what you need to know is you need to know how to, in my opinion, understand your intuition's guidance for you in this next step and ultimately compassionately communicate it as best you can to your friends and family, recognizing that you owe them nothing other than your love and appreciation for their care and concern. That's what you love. That's what you owe them. Love and appreciation for their care and concern. But this is your life. You are going to be in charge of your life as much as they are trying and they are here to help and guide you. Your intuition is your guide. You do not need a parent to be your intuition. And many people right now that are listening can also think back to their own issues they may have had with their family members. So as much as that might sound scary, many people can think back to how they subjugated, they they submitted their intuition to other people's advice outside of themselves, and that created a ton of discontent, unhappiness, disease, and discomfort. So I want you to, I would suggest, I don't say I want, I would suggest you give them so much appreciation for their care and concern, but you know that you are going to have to sleep with you the rest of your life, not them. So you're going to have to understand what your intuition is telling you and be able to handle the repercussions of that as well without going and, you know, like wilting, like go and stand strong in what your intuition's telling you. Can you not ask for help? Can you not, you know, go for advice when you need it? Absolutely. But please know the advice you truly seek is in yourself, not in someone else. And if you're having trouble with your intuition, then I would say don't rush off with ego into something that may not be aligned for you. It would be better for you probably to go down a safer path as you're discovering your intuition, unless you have that really strong call from your intuition. And in that case, go for it, but just make sure you're going from intuition, not ego. So hopefully that is useful for you. I can tell you, I went through many, many, many difficult experiences after graduating college and going through the recession with my jewelry company and not getting help and going through all of that, but that just made me stronger and more able to be the person I am today. So those difficulties that I faced going through this less secure path has built my strength and my intuition and has brought me to where I am today, but it's ultimately because I was following intuition that it worked out and that I was willing to go through the things that I needed to go through while experiencing that. It made me stronger, but it does not mean that it was necessarily easier. It was just the discomfort I was willing to deal with was the discomfort of growing in intuition rather than the discomfort of following a safe path prescribed by someone else that was out of alignment with my intuition. There's probably discomfort on either side of that equation. It's just which side are you gonna follow? The discomfort that comes from growing and following intuition or the discomfort that comes from not listening to your intuition and following someone else's path for you. Now we have Golden Light Girl who said, hi Jess, I love following you on your travels and I'm curious if you've always enjoyed traveling or was it the start of your journey a year ago that created the wanderlust? When you ask your intuition, where should I go next? Or do you ask that every day? Thank you and happy trails to you. So yeah, I didn't really have wanderlust. I had left the US three times for Europe before I left on the trip last year. I never thought I would be someone to be living out of a suitcase. If you said when I had my breakup 
let's see, in 2015, one of you guys is going to have a dog and a partner and live in a really cute apartment and the other person's going to live out of a suitcase and travel the world. I would have given you all of my money betting I was the other person in the equation. So it's so funny that my intuition literally led me to this journey I've been on and I'm so appreciative that it did. So yeah, I was not someone who's super wanderlusting. That said, I did know I wanted to travel the world and help people. I just didn't think I'd be traveling the world and doing the show, like doing the same thing I could do in one place while I traveled the world. When I said or thought about traveling the world in 2017, I thought I'd be doing workshops and live events around the world and that would be how I would see it. Not that I would be doing the podcast and the online classes just like normal and then simultaneously be traveling the world. So I didn't expect the format that it happened in, but when the offer to buy the house and all the furniture happened, as you guys know, my intuition told me that I should do it and I asked why and it said, because you want a life you never imagined before, which was news to me at the time because <laughs> if I didn't imagine it, how could I know that I wanted it? That was so new to me. I had always previously made decisions knowing what I theoretically wanted to happen at least or had an idea of a vision I was building towards where this was the first time I was ever walking in blind faith week to week, day to day with my intuition taking me to the next step and the next step and the next step. So now you're right. When do you ask your intuition, where should I go next? I don't do it every day. I wait until there's kind of this moment and it's hard to explain, but I found that there's a tipping point that happens and it's not like every certain framework. It just eventually there's a moment of clarity and a positive spurt of emotion that goes, yes, that's what I want to do next. And I wait until that moment happens and that's when I book a flight or that's when I decide to stay an extra week in a place or that's when I decide to go somewhere new. I have learned how to be patient in the unknown, in the interim. The ego will say, well, where are you gonna be? Where are you gonna be? What's gonna happen? That voice will keep going on and on, but I have no interest in that voice. That guy, that's a boring voice. I'm sick of that voice. I, I'm really sick of it anymore. I just don't really get too overwhelmed by it. That voice will go on all the time, but I wait until there's this kind of, I guess I want to say like a clicking where it's like, yes, that's what I want to do. Clarity now. And that's when I move forward. So I just wait until whenever that happens for me. And at some point it will happen every single time. So that's what I wait for. Now we have Little Giant Life. You said, I know you've mentioned you haven't vlogged because it feels like you're always on, but is there any in the near future? It would be great to see some of your adventures and gives us fans something to aspire to. I'm a huge fan. Oh, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, the vlog, it does make it feel like I'm constantly working to be doing it, but it's something I'll keep in mind. Thank you for mentioning that you liked it and I will keep it in mind for the future. JC Mercer said, hi, Jess, how do you deal with the world of social media and how overly saturated it is with authors, bloggers, various experts, etc.? Sometimes I find myself inspired and other times I find myself questioning how I'll ever find quote unquote success with an oversaturated industry. You've done amazing jobs setting yourself apart from others. Well, thank you, JC. What I would say is I'm not even thinking about that. Like, I don't even have the thought. I think one of the things that's interesting is I don't have the thought, oh, it's so saturated and how am I going to make it? I'm not even thinking about that. And as far as like setting myself apart from others, the funniest thing is my ego would say almost the opposite of that. Like, <laughs> I'm just following my intuition and doing what it tells me to. But my ego, even though I'm doing that, will say, you're doing some weird stuff. Like, you guys don't even know. Season four we're going to go into some crazy territory that like I can't really think of anyone that's doing a show exactly like what we're going to be talking about. So yeah, I'm setting myself apart just because I'm following my intuition and my heart and what I feel led to share with you that I think will help you based on my experiences I'm having in life. But it's so funny that it's actually the opposite. My ego tells me you're going to be so different. No one will listen rather than you're standing out. And that's a good thing. <laughs> So yeah, and either way, I hear the voice and I don't follow it because I just keep going with what my intuition's leading me to. Anyways, intuition, 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 I guess is the name of that story. Emily Hardy Photography said, hello, always so happy to get updates from you. Two-part question, but same basic premise. One, how do you handle things that are out of your control, like infertility? And two, as a small business owner, how do you access a point of excitement about change versus being constantly terrified that you're going to mess it all up? Thank you. Okay, question number one, how do I handle things outside my control, like infertility? 
Oh, that's so interesting. So I would say, because I definitely infertility, obviously I'm not trying to get pregnant right now, but I hope to have children in the future. And my period has been something that I've been working on regulating. So how I handle that is I do the things that are within my control and I keep learning and exploring new opportunities to find better ways to understand what maybe the root of that infertility, for example. So right now I'm exploring a lot about the subconscious. I'm starting to learn a lot about, obviously you guys know I've been studying consciousness, but also what's the subconscious in us and how could that be playing a role in things like health and especially things like the reason I haven't gotten my period for most of my life. Often we just are told by Western medicine that you know it's symptom relief. So we'll give you medicine to have a baby, we'll put you on the birth control pill to deal with your symptoms. That's what I was prescribed most of my life. Well, now I've been going through specialists and finding that there are foods that you can eat which support your basic systems and your functions in your body. There are emotional releases, like I mentioned with this magnet thing I've been doing through the emotion code, which has been helpful, at least on the skin level, which is based on hormones, which ultimately tie back to this infertility. And now I'm going through things like RTT, Rapid Transformational Therapy, which we'll be talking about more in season four, as well as as well as Theta Healing, which is both our modalities that help us tap into the subconscious and see what beliefs subconsciously may be controlling those systems in our bodies. If you think about it, your subconscious is running your heartbeat, your respiration, your like all the things you're not thinking about how many white blood cells you have in your body right now. You're not constantly monitoring that. Your subconscious is. Likewise, your subconscious is a control of your endocrine system and your hormones for infertility. So seeing if there's any potential beliefs that I created probably at a very young age that may be guiding and directing how that subconscious lives out the systems is what I'm currently exploring. Don't know if it's 100% working, but so far I've sound, I've had some very interesting results. I just want to see if there's more to be shared before I have like a full report for you. But that's something I'm exploring. So subconscious is right now one of the things I'm looking at in terms of control and then focus. So recognizing like I shared in the quantum living episode about perception of reality, I focus on the 2000 pieces of information per second I do notice and focusing on the ones that I want to create more of rather than the ones I want less of. And then as far as a small business owner with the point of excitement about change versus constantly terrified, it's ego, right? That's saying, oh my gosh, what if you mess it up versus the intuition that's saying it's exciting because you're growing. I think you can have both voices. I choose to act on the intuition and I'll just deal with both voices at the same time. And I watch with compassion as much as I can, the ego's fear, if it's coming up as fear. I'll try to watch it and give compassion, give myself permission to be out of alignment in that case. I just shared that in an Instagram recently, is <laughs> compassion is permission to be out of alignment. It's okay when my ego is freaked out. That doesn't mean I'm gonna follow it, it just means it's okay that I'm feeling it, if that makes sense. All right, now we're over an hour here, so we're gonna do it. Last but not least, last question. Julie Mallison said, hi, Jess, what are some of your values-based intentions at the moment? Have you seen a shift in them in the past year? Last one, how do you decide which life or business coach is best for you? Thanks for sharing your light with us. Okay, so VBIs in the past year, flow, 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 and then the adventure that follows. So that's still my values-based intention. That is the biggest. Moving at the pleasure of my soul is also a big one. Eating what my intuition wants to eat until satisfied. That one honestly is something I want to revisit and get back into in a deeper way. It's something I've been a little less focused on lately, to be honest. It's something I want to recommit more focused attention to, to focus on what my intuition wants me to eat until satisfied. That one I wanna focus more on. But um, in terms of the, how do I decide which life or business coach is best for you? I follow my gut. I follow what feels right. I follow who I resonate with in that season of my life the most. And that's who I work with. So I actually have three women that I rotate between for different aspects that each have different gifts to share. And I reach out to them on an as needed basis. So that's how I do that. 
So hopefully those are helpful for you guys. There you have it. Thank you so much for all of your questions. We weren't able to get to all of them today, but hopefully we covered a wide cross section of questions for you. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at just C as in cozy lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to justlively.com slash June 2017 questions. Before I share where I'm headed to next, I'd like to talk about today's sponsor, freshbooks.com. FreshBooks is bookkeeping software for creatives. I love this. If you have not heard me talk about this before, please let me tell you that FreshBooks is amazing. If you are a small business owner that needs to track your bookkeeping and you don't want it to be something you hate doing. I used to hate my bookkeeping. I dreaded it. I hated going into the program. I hated having to use it. I actually love using FreshBooks and I love logging in. It looks just like my branding and my website, the colors and everything coordinate too, which for the brand and design part of me, I just love that part. I also love how easy it is to see if someone's looked at their invoice, paid their invoice, and I can send them with a cinch. So it's so easy and great. My team members can all go in there too and track their time or send invoices if they need to for things as well. If you wanna give FreshBooks a try yourself for a free 30 days, this gives you basically a month to give it a try before you have to commit, head over to freshbooks.com lively. Again, that's freshbooks.com lively to get your free 30 30 day trial and see if you love it as much as I do. Now for where I'm headed to next, I am staying here in Lisbon, loving Lisbon, getting into a little bit of a familiar routine, studying consciousness, quantum mechanics, neurology, all the things that make me super happy and ultimately will start finding their way into the show as well. So that's what I'll be doing and spending time with my brother, Michael, because he is right now on his own journey and adventure as well. He's doing remote year, which means that he is traveling for one year and he's spending a different month in a different part of the world with a group of about 53 people, I think. So this month, this June happens to be Lisbon, which is just perfect that it aligns for me to spend time with him as well. So until Thursday, may something wonderful happen to you today. 